a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Let me just mention to you our preaching series for February, uh, which is called Sex in the City. And we're looking at what the Bible has to say about the issues uh, surrounding sex and relationships in the 21st century. And uh, there are some of these flyers on the table in the foyer just outside. Can I encourage you to grab some of these and use them to invite friends to this preaching series in February? I'm trusting it will serve you well. I'm trusting it will be a great series that you can invite people to. Uh, So you can use these flyers to do that. If you're on Facebook, uh, then you can look at our uh, Jubilee fan page and invite people online. You can send them an invite like that. Uh, You can direct people towards our website. Uh, But I want to encourage us to make good use of this series it's a topic that uh, people are interested in, thanks Tim, the topic that you know, the Bible's got lots to say about. And so we're going to spend just four weeks uh, looking at some of these uh, things together during February. Uh, so uh, I want to encourage you to make use of the, of the flyers, make use of the information online, and let's see what uh, God has for us in those uh, weeks together. Our preaching series at the moment is looking at the subject of prayer. And as uh, Matt alluded to earlier, we're in a series of, uh, sort of a season of prayer as a church. If you're new to us this morning, if you're here for the first time, then uh, once again, welcome. It's great to see you. This is what you've come into. We feel God has spoken to us about a season of prayer. And uh, I'm underlining some of these things uh, in the preaching during January. And uh, just to recap the last couple of weeks, uh, we looked at uh, what it is to pray uh, individually and spent some time asking the question, how do you do that? And what's the best way to pray? How how do you pray? Last week, we looked at uh, praying using the Lord's Prayer as a model that God has given to us to help us uh, in praying together. So I wonder, you know, I I hope that you found these these, uh, talks helpful it's interesting, as a preacher, you, uh, the feedback you get is varied sometimes. And uh, often you don't get any feedback, and that's just uh, how it goes often. But it's been great to have uh, text messages and emails just over the last couple of weeks saying, hey, found Sunday really helpful. Well, I've started to put this into practice, and it's been helpful during the week. And I say that to you not to somehow puff me up, because that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm saying to you is people have found these things helpful that we've talked about. And people that have started to put into place uh, some material that we've been talking about uh, and acted upon it, it's made a difference to them. And it's made a difference to their prayer life. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to do that, if you haven't done it already. Because I know that it's worked. I'm getting feedback from people saying, hey, it's been great, I've, I've, it's helped me in praying this week. And it's you know, great when you get that sort of feedback, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to get hold of some of this stuff yet, then please do it, because I believe God will help you and, uh, and bless you as you start to pray more and more. The, uh, the well-known Christian writer Corrie Ten Boom once said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Good quote, isn't it? 
Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tyre? We can all, uh, I guess, relate to the uh, having prayer as your spare tyre. You know, in cases of emergency, break glass and pray. You know, oh God, please, will you help with this? Or is it the steering wheel of your life? Is it the very centre of what you're doing? I wonder how has prayer been going for you, maybe over these last couple of weeks as we've begun to look at these subjects together. This week, I want to look at corporate prayer. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a really dull, boring, lifeless, hideous, just waiting till it finishes prayer meeting? Oh, come on. I don't believe you. I know I have. Now, obviously not amongst you guys. Previously in other places. But I'm sure, if we were honest, we've all been there, haven't we? You sort of sat there looking at the clock thinking, oh man, this is just awful. You know, you've got two people and a half-dead cat, and that's it. And, you know, it's the cat's praying more than the other person is. And it's all, you know, thinking... Oh, Jesus, will you come back soon? Like now would be great. <laughs> you know, you see, you get some prayer meetings like that. Well, as well as that, you get some great prayer meetings that are full of God, full of faith and vibrancy and expectation of God to move and God speaking and breaking in. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and they're the sort of prayer meetings we want, aren't they? Aren't they the sort of prayer meetings that you love to go to? Well, what I want to talk about this morning is praying together corporately. Because I believe that as we look at these things together, if we put some of these things into practice, then they will help us as we pray together. They will help us as we gather together, even on Friday at the Aston Court Hotel at half past seven. If we take hold of what we look at this morning, I believe it will help us in praying on Friday nights. I'm convinced of it. I'm certain of it. So I'd encourage you, please get there on Friday because I'm believing God for an excellent time together as we pray. But also take hold of what we're looking at this morning because I believe these things will help us. I've called this morning the powerhouse of corporate prayer. If you're taking notes, that's your title. The powerhouse of corporate prayer. Now, I know some people who, who call their prayer meetings powerhouse because it's right at the very centre and it's sort of the engine room of the church. I think it's a good title to use. And it's not that God somehow hears groups of people more than he hears individuals. But it does seem that there's a dynamic in praying together. You know, if you've been with other people praying, there's a dynamic to that that is different to just praying on your own. And so what I want to look at this morning is some of those things, what's different, what is it that can help us, and what will help us as we pray together on Friday. I'm trusting that we'll all get hold of this. And I I want to commend those of you who prayed and spoke out earlier during the meeting. Well done, it was great to have your contributions can I just say this? Please, please hear this in, in the right spirit. I'm thinking, do I say this or not? But I'm going to say it. If I offend you, you'll have to forgive me. But guys, where were you? I, I look around, I'm thinking, have we got just women in this morning? 
Because and it was great to have your contributions. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I loved every one of them. But I sat there thinking, have we got any guys in this morning? I look around and think, oh, they are there. <laughs> guys, come on. Don't leave all the praying to the women. All right? We need to be stepping up in this and taking a lead and bringing our contributions as well. So I trust you'll receive this in the spirit that it's meant. But guys, on Friday, I, I want to urge you, get there and be praying. Let's give the girls some competition in this. All right? Now, the girls, it's great to have your contributions. I love them earlier, and I know that you'll come and pray on Friday. But guys, come on. We've got to step up to the plate on this as well. There we are. If I offended you, I'm sorry. But I think it needs saying sometimes. Okay. No one's walked out. That's good. So, when we gather together and pray, God does something. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, often you find the people of God gathering together and praying and often confessing sin and repenting corporately and asking God for mercy. And often that was, uh, often that was done together. It wasn't just an individual thing. They did it together as the people of God. During, during the New Testament, you find various occasions when the church gathers together to pray. And it seems whenever that happens, something happens. God does something. You don't tend to find the New Testament church gathering to pray and after an hour everybody's saying, well, that was a nice prayer meeting and just wandering home. It seems that when the church gathered to pray, pray, something happened. God did something. And so what I want to look at in the moments that we've got together as time is flying by far too quickly is just some headings of corporate prayer in the early church and what we can learn to help us in this subject of the powerhouse of corporate prayer. And I want to underline that corporate prayer is a powerhouse. And as we gather to pray on Friday, as we've gathered to pray in this previous week, and we'll continue to do so in this season, there's a power in it, and God is going to do something in Jubilee. I really believe that. What Charlotte was saying earlier, I've been so stirred about. It's so true. If you look back historically at historic moves of God whether you label them revival or, or, or not. If you look at times when God has moved powerfully in this nation and other nations, time and time again it is preceded by people praying and praying for God to move. I feel God is stirring us with these things once again. So, what are the elements of a corporate church prayer meeting? Well, we haven't got time to look at every element this morning, but I want to just throw out a few to you to help us in these things. It's things like waiting on God. It's things like the Holy Spirit's power. It's things like asking God for things, petitioning God. It's things like worship, fasting, and God breaking in and giving direction. There's some elements of a, of a church prayer meeting, and I'm expecting that we're going to see those elements on Friday. But why don't I pray? and ask God to somehow help me <laughs> to communicate these things in 15 minutes that we've got before the kids rush in on us. Lord Jesus, we do so thank you for your presence. And pray now, Lord, that you would speak to us as we open your word together. Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher. Come and speak to us, please. Help us in the life of prayer in Jubilee. We might get hold of some of these truths. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the way I've uh, divided this up is just working through various 
passages in the book of Acts. We probably don't have time to turn to everyone in detail. But I just want to give you some headings. I want some of these to be a provocation to you. I want them to stir you. And I want God to bring faith to you that we might see more of these things in our times when we gather together. For example, on Friday at half past seven at the Aston Court Hotel, in case you had forgotten. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, says this. It says that they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So this is after Jesus has returned to heaven. Jesus has told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And we're told here that they all joined together constantly in prayer. What they were doing was waiting. Jesus had said, wait, just stay here until the Holy Spirit comes. And so what they were doing was waiting on God. But it wasn't just passive waiting. It wasn't that somehow they just sort of sat around in a chair and said, well, you know, it was great when Jesus was here. Do you remember when he did this? Do you remember that miracle? And Peter will go, hey, do do you remember me walking on water? And the other disciples will say, yeah, we remember you sinking when you took your eyes off Jesus as well. It wasn't that they somehow sat around and, and just waited for the Holy Spirit to come. But rather, their their waiting was an active waiting. Their waiting was waiting on God, calling on Him, praying constantly, waiting in faith. Not just thinking, well, God told us, Jesus told us to wait. How long for? What did He mean? (laughs) You know, we're talking days or we're talking weeks or, you know, what what about our holiday we got planned? It wasn't any of that. It was active, faithful waiting on God. I wonder, are you waiting for something? And if you are, are you waiting in faith for that? Are you hanging on to something God has spoken to you about? Have you still got faith that God will bring it through? Are you hanging on to him, waiting on him? The early, early believers here were told to wait until the Holy Spirit has come. Well, listen, now he has come, as we were praying even earlier in our meeting. So this passage is not to be used as an excuse for inaction. Never say, well, Jesus has told the disciples to wait, so all we're going to do is just wait and not do anything. No, no, no. That was waiting with a purpose. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Now he's come. Now we're filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. So we wait on God, but the reason is different now. We wait on God to hear from him, to receive from him, in order that we might then go. That's what it's for. It's waiting with a purpose, waiting in faith. But as well as that, we we get examples of the Holy Spirit's power. So in in Acts chapter 4, we find that Peter and John are arrested. This is not good for the early church. You know, they're here are their leaders, and they get arrested. And you can think, oh, no, what's going on now? What's going to happen? Well, what happens is Peter and John are arrested, and the believers gather to pray for their release. That's just a, a, a hint, okay? If Matt and I are sort of, you know, arrested at any time, please gather and pray for our release. You might laugh, but there are many churches around this world where that would not be unusual. Where actually to say that would be, it would be actually, we got arrested last week, or, you know, you might be surprised that somebody's there, that they're not in prison this week. For us, we're in a different context, and praise God for that context. Let's not let it go lightly. But Peter and John are arrested. The believers pray. Uh, and um, we're told to the believers pray upon their release. 
So in, in verse 23 of Acts 4, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the things that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. And I guess if you didn't read on then, you'd be thinking, well, what are they praying for? Well, you'd guess, wouldn't you? It'd be they pray for protection. They pray that God will keep them from being arrested again. They pray that God's hand will be on them. But actually, they don't pray for that. They don't pray for protection. What they pray for is for the word of God to go forth boldly and in power. There's no sense of defeatedness here. No sense of praying for protection. They pray for boldness in verse 29. And then in verse 30, they pray for power. And in verse 31, we're told this. After they prayed, the place where they, where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was an immediate answer to their prayer. They prayed for boldness, they prayed for power, and God came upon them. Holy Spirit came powerfully, immediately. I wonder, do we, do we expect an immediate answer like that? It's a challenge, isn't it? So often we can pray and think, well, I'm sure God will answer at some point. They got an answer immediately. Bang! They prayed for power and boldness and God came to them. And they had power and boldness. God loves to answer prayers like that. He really does. If you pray for boldness, you pray for the Holy Spirit to come to you, listen, God loves to answer prayers like that. And you can receive the Holy Spirit anytime, any place, anywhere. But being with other believers seems to make it easier. I've written in my notes here, which is amusing after this morning. Are we expecting the Holy Spirit to come when we gather? <laughs> yes, would be the answer, wouldn't it? Just as he did this morning and came to us as we worship and as we pray together. But as well as receiving the Spirit, the, the church gather and pray. So in Acts chapter 12, there's a time of persecution from King Herod. And James, the brother of John, is put to death. So persecution is getting quite serious now. Peter is imprisoned. But we're told in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, that the church was earnestly praying to God for him. He thinks were serious. The church had lost one of their key leaders. And now another one of their key leaders had been arrested. See, times of persecution focus the church to pray, don't they? And some people argue that the reason that we've said often the church in the West seems so weak is that we've had it so easy. Whereas if you look at the church in places like China and other places where the church has been persecuted, there's a vibrancy and growth and amazing things that God is doing. Often underneath the surface, often you have to look for it, but God is doing something there. So the church here are praying for Peter, praying for his safety, for his release. And it's important that they were doing this together. Yonggi Cho, the pastor of the world's largest church in Korea, says this. He says, when I pray alone, I can only exercise my own individual faith. Yet when I pray in a group with my brothers and sisters in Christ, the power of our faith is increased geometrically. It's true, isn't it? When you pray with other people who are full of faith and praying in that way, your faith is stirred, isn't it? It's built, it's encouraged, and it's helped. There is a dynamic in praying together. Other people's faith can encourage you. So in a prayer meeting, I want to urge you and encourage you, pray prayers of faith. Because as you do that, you encourage yourself 
and you encourage others to pray prayers of faith and expectation as well. So God sets Peter free, and the church is astonished later in Acts 12. It's interesting, isn't it? Why were they so surprised their prayer had been answered? It seems that they got used to their prayers being answered. Well, it seems they were surprised here, and Peter had to go and sort of knock on the door. Let me in, I'm here. And they think, no, nobody answers. And a girl goes and answers and comes back and says, Peter at the door. Again, no, 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 don't be silly. He's in prison. We're praying for him, dear. You know, come back and pray. But God had answered their prayer already. And Peter is released. I wonder, do we expect our prayers to be answered? What about praying for healing? When we pray for healing, do we expect it to happen? I think we've got better at this over recent years, to be fair. But I want to encourage us, let's expect God to answer our prayers. As we pray, let's pray prayers of faith and expectation, expecting that God will answer them. When the church gathers to pray, there's also worship. So in Acts 13, we're told that while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Worship has to be part of our prayer experience together. You can't separate it. And worship is a great way to start a prayer meeting. It helps us to focus on who God is, not on who we are, not on our circumstances or problems or questions or issues, but on who God is, what he's done, his faithfulness, his word, his glory. Worship helps us with that. It's a great way to start off praying together. And sometimes we have to choose to worship, don't we? We have to sort of speak to our soul and say, come on, we're going to worship now. Even the psalmist in Psalm 57 says, awake my soul, awake. <laughs> it's like speaking to himself, come on, we're going to worship now. And, and, and get ourselves into doing that. So while they were worshipping here, something happens. There was seen a moment, God spoke. But worship was part of them praying together. But while they were worshipping, something else was happening as well. They were fasting. So while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and we'll come to that in just a second, what he said. So the implication is prayer, worship and fasting seem to go together here. Fasting is a spiritual discipline right throughout the Old and the New Testaments. And it's probably not an unusual occurrence, actually. And maybe we've lost something of that in, in recent years. So what is it? Well, well, fasting is voluntarily going without, well, usually it's food, for a period of time in order to pray and to seek God. Now, it can be something else. Often it's food. It can be other things. Certainly not water. Don't go without water. Your body needs that. But our body can go without food for a period of time, be it a day or two or three. And so fasting can help us in focusing on God's. So in the Old Testament, fasting was often undertaken when the people of God urgently needed to hear from God. They prayed and they fasted. And it showed God that they were serious and they needed to hear from him. Because it can help focus our minds on what we're praying about and who God is. Fasting can help us to seek God, and that should be our motive. Not trying to somehow score points with God, saying, do you realise I'm fasting? You know, check that one out but rather actually to show God we're serious and to help us in focusing on him, help our minds in, in, in coming to him. So, for example, I've fasted and prayed before major life decisions. I, there was one time I was praying, I think it was before, we, before Sarah and I got married. 
I, I was, you know, wanting to get married. I was just thinking, thinking God, is, it, is this right? Is this, can, can I do this? And I decided to fast and pray. And um, listen, don't fast like this, okay? This is how not to do it. So I fasted and prayed, and uh, I just wanted to, to, to make sure I was doing the right thing before God. And uh, I decided to pray and go for a bike ride. Well, I hadn't been eating anything, and I went on a fairly strenuous bike ride that was probably considerably more than I was used to, but I thought I can cycle and pray and be with God. And I tell you, I, I got around this probably four or five mile uh, cycle, and I, I was dead. I was just exhausted. You know, I, I thought it would help me to focus and to pray, but I hadn't eaten, and I was, you know, totally exhausted from all this exercise that my body was somewhat unaccustomed to at the time. Obviously, not now, but was then. Um, and it was just awful. I was thinking, God, I'm fasting and praying. You're going to be speaking to me, and I'm just feeling like I'm, I want to die over in a corner somewhere. <laughs> I think I've missed the point somehow. God did speak to me. I knew it was the right thing, and we got married, which is great. But it is important, I think, to pray and fast, particularly over important life decisions. Just don't go cycling if you're not used to it at the same time. So how do you do it? Well, you don't eat, but as I say, you do drink water. It's normally for a day or two. Now, you see in Scripture, Jesus fasting for 40 days. Well, I, I don't necessarily recommend fasting for 40 days. You know, unless God speaks to you really clearly, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Particularly when we're trying to live our lives and balance you know, work and family demands as well. Fasting for that sort of length of time isn't going to help us. And maybe fasting for a day or two or a few days actually would really help you and help your relationship with God. Now if you have to eat, and some of us do for medical reasons, then maybe try and fast something else like television or Facebook or whatever it might be for you. You know, I wonder for some people what's harder, uh, fa fasting Facebook or fasting food. And I asked somebody this and they thought for a while, and I'm, mm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Whatever it is for you, there might be something you can give up in order that you pray and give more time to, to being with God. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, The church of God would be far stronger to wrestle with this ungodly age if she were more given to prayer and fasting. And he goes on. Um, there's a mighty efficacy in these two gospel ordinances. The first links us to heaven. The second separates us from earth. Prayer takes us into the banqueting house of God. Fasting overturns those tables of earth. Prayer gives us to feed on the bread of heaven. And fasting delivers the soul from being encumbered with the fullness of bread which perisheth. Only Spurgeon can put it like that. That first line, the church of God would be far stronger to wrestle with its ungodly age if she were more given to prayer and fasting. There should be a challenge to us there. But as we begin to wrap up, just lastly, in Acts 13, in this passage where um, it says they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, it goes on, Acts 13, verses 2 to 4. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is perhaps one of the most strategic prayer meetings in the history of the early church. This is when Paul is sent off on his first missionary journey. 
And there's no indication this was going to happen. This was not on their agenda. This was not on their prayer list. They didn't expect that God would break in like this. But as they were worshipping and fasting and praying, God spoke. And spoke amazing strategic words that sent Paul and Barnabas off on their first journey and transformed the world out of that one prayer meeting. I wonder what God might say to us on Friday. I wonder what the Holy Spirit might say to us as we gather and pray. I can think of times when God has spoken out of prayer meetings. If you look back at words that have shaped New Frontiers, the family of churches we're part of, many of these prophetic words come out of times of pray, prayer and fasting, or comes out of times of praying together. Things that God has spoken to us about as a church often have come out of times of prayer together. So I want to encourage us, as we gather on Friday, let's be expecting God to speak. Let's be expecting God to open things up to us. Let's, be, let's come with an expectant and an eager heart to hear God. As we worship, maybe you might uh, choose to fast this week. As we gather and pray prayers of faith, as we expect God to speak to us as we worship together. Who knows what God might do amongst us? I'm really looking forward to Friday. Don't think about a prayer meeting as a time to be endured, but come expecting it to be an exciting time of meeting with God, of worshipping together, and of God breaking in and of him speaking. Let's come full of faith and full of expectation about what God might do amongst us. Amen? Can we stand together? And uh, we're going to pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being amongst us, for breaking in amongst us this morning. And we pray now, Lord, as we close our time together, that our prayer meeting on Friday, God, will be an exciting time of meeting with you. Lord, we look forward to it. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'd help us to pray prayers of faith and expectation. We pray, God, that we'd come together eager to meet with you, eager to hear from you as we worship and pray. And we pray, Lord God, would you speak to us? Would you, and just in the same way as you spoke to that early church there gathered and told them to send off Barnabas and Saul on that first journey. Lord, we look back and think what amazing things have come out of that one meeting of prayer. We pray, Lord, bring amazing things out of our time of prayer together, even as we gather this week. We ask it for your glory in your world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.